All right, back on the Ohio wind with the great Tyler Buchanan from Ohio Capital Journal. Tyler, how are you doing today? Hey, doing good. Start of a new week, and hopefully it's a good one. It's good yeah, to be back you have on. a good. You have a good holiday. Yeah, pretty relaxing, which is my version of good anymore. So, uh, I say this because we've talked about vaccinations, you know, a lot. And hey, I got vaccinated. Got to hang out a little bit with family that was vaccinated. So, I, hey. I did. I got my first shot on Saturday. So, I think we had the same same situation. Well, but, hey, another good reason to be vaccinated. Hey, you get to hang out with family that have been vaccinated too. So yeah, check it out. My little endorsement for people who are listening in. Hey, I wanted to talk a little bit, you know, we talked a lot about Mike DeWine and since we talked last, it's been kind of an interesting time for him. Uh, there was an override of his health orders. So unless something changes or he challenges in court, you know, the Ohio House and Senate can kind of override every health order he has. Uh, I think it's starting in what, June or July, right? Yeah, so so let's just set the stage for people. Uh, you know, I'm sure people saw you know at least some reporting about this, but just to kind of refresh your memory and give you the whole thing. Sure. So yeah. again, this is this is not you know this has been an effort basically since like last I would say late last April of Republicans in the state legislature legislature of Ohio trying to you know either challenge or overturn or have the power to overturn, et cetera, et cetera, um, the health orders that Governor DeWine and the Ohio Department of Health are are issuing. Um, the latest bill, which is Senate Bill 22, basically the, there's a lot of provisions, but the bottom line is it would give state lawmakers authority to basically rescind health orders that they disagree with. They would have to take a vote. And so state would issue a health order um, and they could rescind it. Um, in the case of COVID, you know, any health orders that would still be on the books once, once this power becomes enacted for them, so let's say the mass mandate, um, they could rescind that. So they passed it. Governor Dwine vetoed it. Now, he's, ve- <clears throat> he's vetoed several bills like this over the past year. Republicans have a much stronger majority here in 2021 than they had in 2020. So they quickly, within like 20 hours, over, yeah, overturn yeah. his veto, which is a pretty big deal. It's it's right. very unusual for for a legislature to overturn a veto. It's probably even more unusual that it's Republicans doing it to a Republican governor. So bills require um, bills don't get enacted for 90 days after they are passed, or in this case, overturned. Uh, unless it has an emergency clause. This did not have that. So you mentioned June or July. That's that's around when we're looking uh, because the overturn happened here in March. So you're looking April, May, June. So the bottom line really is, you know, they they want for the future, any future crises, they want to have power to overturn health orders. In terms of COVID, if, as I said, any of the health orders that were issued last year are still on the books this summer. Now, DeWine has said, hopefully the mask mandate's gone. Hopefully, you know, any of the health orders, hopefully they're already gone just by virtue of the pandemic being over. But if they're not, um, Republicans want to do away with it. So that's the that's the basic overview for, for people to, to understand where, where we are in this conversation. And we're in better shape than we were, let's say, a couple months ago. But, you know, the numbers are kind of going back up a little bit. I mean... In previous weeks, we were at about a little over a thousand new ones a day. But the last couple of days, we're at you know twenty two hundred, which isn't 
obviously as much as it was maybe a couple months ago, but it's right. higher than it used to be, and there's valid concerns about variants and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I think with the vaccinations and everything, we're in a better place, but, man, it's going to be really interesting if it's June or July, and there's some questions to say, is it a good idea to drop health orders? And if it goes to Republicans and everything we're seeing, I mean, you have a story talking about how Ohio politicians are reacting today on the Ohio Capital Journal. I mean, it looks like they're going to scramble them all. So it could be a really interesting summer if COVID you know, lingers around like it, it sounds like it's going to be. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the, the, the cases going up and like how that impacts that. I mean, absolutely. We at, at the time that this has passed and as we wait into the summer, we don't know what any of these variants are going to be. Now, hopefully it's nothing too dire and this this pandemic doesn't like fully resurge. Again. Hopefully everybody hopes that. But we don't know. And, and that's that's the point that Governor DeWine and some of the Democrats are making is, look, you you're putting this bill into place with the assumption that, okay, this pandemic is winding down and we're done. Who knows what happens the rest of this year and who knows what happens next year? Maybe there's another random, you know, pandemic or five years from now or 10 years from now. So, yeah, I I guess it's just it's it's one of those things where Republicans have always seemed to have an excuse for why they think um, health orders should be rescinded or why they should have theoretically the power to do so. Last year, it was just a lot of like, you know, the government's overreaching. And we've heard a lot about that this year. But we heard it in March, too, of like, well, you know, the cases are going down anyway. So it's like, well, maybe the cases are going down because of the mitigation, you know, we go around in circles on it. So anyway, yeah. Well, it sounds like if it, you know, if these are lingering around in June or July, you would think that this class would just say, hey, let's get rid of all of them. But my concern about this bill is think to the future, whoever's in charge, Republicans, Democrats, or whoever, it's going to be hard to rescind, in my opinion, individual health orders. So say future governor, whoever it is, has 15 health orders. Are they going to vote on each one? I mean, it sounds to be a logistic yeah. nightmare. You know? Yeah, you would, ha- you would have to. And, and you can imagine, if you think back to March of 2020, health yeah. orders were flying Oh, yeah. Fast and friend, you know, whatever you, I mean, there was like, what, I don't know if there are dozens, but I mean, it was like every other day it was like, okay, health orders are dealing with bars. Okay. Tomorrow it's like a health order dealing with like hair salons. And, and there's a reason for that. You know, again, we just, people forget like how crazy that time period was. Things were really moving fast and we were learning a lot about the virus fast. Um, and so the, you know, the government was adjusting. And saying, okay, you know, schools, okay, schools are not going to be safe. We have to, we have to shut those down. That was the opinion of, of health experts and the governor. Uh, then businesses, and then you know, and then the election had that big thing. So yeah, if they wanted to take votes on this, they'd have to take a vote on every single health order. Wouldn't be that hard, I suppose, if you had just a big voterama and you just say, okay, this one's gone, that one's gone. I mean, it, but it just that that is what we're talking about that we're having a situation where um, the government can issue a health order. And that was the point that they made multiple times in passing this bill and in overturning it, is the argument from the Republicans is, hey, nothing in this bill um, you know, encumbers the government's ability to still issue a health order. They can still issue whatever they want. It's just that, and then they don't, they, they kind of end the sentence there. They don't really say, 
but we could rescind anything that they you know do. So it, and and the other the other thing to consider, there's no time period that has to pass here. If 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 we were to have this bill in effect last year, you can imagine a situation where the you know the governor and Dr. Acton come out at 2 p.m. announce that schools are closing, and then the legislature at 3 p.m. could say, nope, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, talk about confusion. Talk about you know it would be crazy. Well, and the odd thing about it too is, from my understanding, please correct me. You know more than I would on this. Isn't there like a thirty-day time they would have to wait anyway? So, like your example you just gave about the schools, wouldn't they have to wait thirty days before the legislature could overrule it, or is that different? The the bill is written had, or I should say, the bill took many forms throughout where there was different um, timelines that they offered. There was a, initially it was going to be 11 days. So it's, you know, a health order would be in effect for 11 days before we could do it. The end version took that out. There's no time period now. They they could, they could repeal it. The, the second that the health order is signed and official, I assume is when the, the clock starts and two minutes later, they could vote to rescind it. What you're probably thinking of is in the reverse sense. Um, the bill does put in some limitations in terms of the staff, the, the state of emergency order that the governor issued. That has now a limit of so much time. I think it is 30 days that it can last for 30 days. And from there, if the governor wants to extend it, he would have to come to the legislature and say, hey, this is why I want to extend it. And then they vote on it. But they could vote to, to not extend it. I mean, that. so this is this is basically the end goal. The goal from the Republicans, the, the phrases that they use are checks and balances and legislative oversight. They want to be part of the decision-making process. They want to be part of, okay, governor issues an order. The legislature is either going to let it happen, which is a choice, or to vote to rescind it, which is a choice. In the case of states of emergency, 30 days comes. Governor has to come to them. Should we extend it? That's a choice. Or should we let it run out? That is also a choice. They, they want the they want the executive to be a part of making these decisions, and the legislature wants to basically be one of the end you know points here to say, okay, we're gonna let that we're gonna let that go, or we're gonna stop it. Um, they want to be part of the process. Again, there's arguments for and against. Um, governor makes a pretty pretty compelling case about how you know things move fast, and the legislature. Yeah typically doesn't i mean it, it, this is a legislature that you know they they've had an unconstitutional state funding model for schools that was ruled unconstitutional in the 1990s with the ohio supreme court telling them you have to fix this and we're coming up on 24 years or so later they haven't fixed right. it so some things they move very slow and governor dewine saying hey we can't put this in the hands of the legislature you, you guys aren't nimble enough to make decisions like we do. So, well, yeah, pet peeve of mine when it comes to the media is I think a lot of people look at us and go, oh, you're confusing matter. Well, I'll be honest, as the media, it's hard to cover that matter. And it looks like it's going to be a lot harder to cover matter when things get changed so quickly. I mean, you know, you are Gannett, Ohio, Ohio Capital Journal covers it. Just think, we're putting up a story at 3 p.m. saying, hey, the cell phone is in place. And now we're putting up another story at 4 saying, Hey, it's overruled and everything. And Absolutely. I, think, I think about to our readers, they're going to be like, what the heck's going on here? And I guess it depends on when you 
read that story on the website. I mean, and it's going to be really confusing because uh, we hope everyone comes back to the site a million times a day. But obviously not everybody can look 50 times a day at what's going on. So it's going to be more confusing than anything, I, I would imagine, right? Yeah. And the, and the analogy real quick would be the last year's primary election where oh, yeah. long, long, oh, long, yeah. long story short, there were various points in the day before the primary, well, the primary ended up getting postponed. The day before the primary was supposed to happen, March 2020, where the state, the governor was trying to get it postponed through legal action, et cetera. And there were various points in the day that we thought the election was on, off, on, and then it was eventually off again. And everyone was confused. Reporters yeah. were confused. Citizens were confused. Poll workers were confused. I think even like at some points, the governor was confused. And that was one example in one day. You're talking, imagine again, March 2020, where health orders are flying because we're learning different things and things are changing fast. And then picture interspersed there, the legislature overturning health orders or not overturning others. Yeah, again, you can make you can make the case that it's necessary because of checks and balances. You can make the case that the legislature should be involved. There are cases to be made for SB 22. I just beyond that, I don't think there's any argument that it wouldn't make things more hectic. It just would. It just it just that's just like a fact. Um, it's just well, an the other, un- consequence. Well, the other thing that comes out of this too, and you know, we're apolitical. I mean, we're analyzing what we're seeing out there. Uh, we're not, you know, waving flags or anything ourselves. But man, I'm looking at this, and you know, your colleague uh, Jake Zuckerman had a great tweet uh, talking about. He was just analyzing how DeWine's been treated by Republicans, and if you look at it, you know, we're upcoming a primary. I don't tell me how DeWine gets past the primary. Because right now, I in a race where he's running against other Republicans, it doesn't matter to me who it is. I don't think he wins just based on what's happening right now in the Republican Party and their attitudes toward COVID and everything else. Uh, do you see it happening? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's, so he already has one primary challenger. It's like a it's like a farmer somewhere in Central Ohio. I would imagine that he will put up right. much of an electoral fight. Um, rhetorically, I don't think. DeWine would love to have any primary candidate, whether they're, you know, legitimate or not. Um, you still hear, it's kind of surprising. You, you're still hearing like Republican members of Congress that are like openly mulling, you know, publicly about like, you know, I don't, I don't think we're going to run for the Senate seat, the Portman seat. I am still considering a run at the governor primary. And that's just like, that is just not a thing that happens Republican or Democrat. Right. It happens sometimes, but it, it's just, it's not something that you expect for somebody like DeWine, who's been in Republican politics for 40 years, who's had every elected office practically in Ohio from dog catcher to governor. And now at the end of his career, he's capped it with a, with the term as governor and now his own party evidently wants to primary. I think it's surprising, but I, I think, you know, hear me now, quote me later. I, it would be, Hard to fathom a scenario where Governor DeWine, if he runs for re-election, right. doesn't doesn't win the primary. The general's a totally different beast. I'm not making that case. Yeah. Right. But but it would it would surprise me. The the man has 40 years of connections, 40 years of goodwill amongst, you know, Republican organizers. Um, he has loads of money. It would be the last in all likelihood, the last campaign of his life 
So he's going to go all out. And he has the incumbency. That there's just so many advantages that come with his position that it just it's hard for me to imagine. And the last thing before I turn it back to you is again, this is all the, the a primary against DeWine, more or less, is one hundred percent predicated on the faction of Republicans that hate his pandemic response. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Pandemic response is May uh, is March 2020 to the present. About 10 months or 12 months, 13 months. The primary is not until spring 2022. That is okay. a year away. And so, you know, I just I don't know the extent to which in the next four months, as Ohioans get vaccinated, as the state returns to normal, as businesses are all reopened as people are going to Reds games and Indians games, that is that fervor against Mike DeWine really going to be there a year from now? That's the question you have to answer. I'm not convinced that that's the case. I think Ohio is going to hopefully return to health, return to, you know, I think more or less normal by the end of the, by the end of the year, at least. And people will move on. I don't think people want to have, the, the pandemic fights for like a full another two years. Perhaps I'm wrong. I just, it would, it would surprise me for him to lose. It would surprise me too. I just, some of this stuff, like even stuff that, I mean, I embrace bipartisanship and even simple things like when President Biden came, he said, oh, I greeted him and we had fun and we shared, which any human being should do. You should reach across the aisle. You shouldn't hate on each other and everything. I mean, there's nothing wrong with what DeWine says. But whenever he said that, I kind of think in the back of my mind going, there is a big faction of people that are, are going to like simple things like that. But, you know, you raise a good point. It's 2022 when it happens. I mean, if the primary was today, it might be a different story. It would be but a different yeah, story. Yeah, but yeah. here it's going to be a little different. Well, uh, Tyler, I know you got a meeting to get to, so I don't want to take uh, more of your time. Remind us, how do we follow you on Twitter? Um, all kinds of interesting stories. Uh, you'll have to read a story of the weekend about he got money from Lil Nas X. Yeah, read down on his Twitter. But how do we connect to him on Twitter so you can read all the stories about your life? Yeah, so again, uh, hopefully by now most people have heard of us, but just the, the general plug again, we're with the Ohio Capital Journal. We're based here in Columbus. Primarily covering the state house, but just generally Ohio politics and elections. It's always election season, so yeah, uh, yeah. we cover a lot of that stuff. Um, again, OhioCapitalJournal.com. It's a we're a news nonprofit. There's no paywall. There's no ads. There's no subscriptions. Everything's available to read for free. Um, I'm available on Twitter. Uh, that's where I I like to hang out most. At Tyler Joel B. That's J O E L B. And yeah, you know, check out the Isle Capital Journal too. I I mean they're you know, they cover the same stuff as we do at Gannett, Ohio, but you know, they share news and you know they are a more of a partnership. I know there are times here even at Columbus Dispatch we've used their coverage. So yeah, we cover the same thing, but I look at it more as I guess colleagues might be a better way of saying it than just competitors and it, it, it's yeah. a good relationship and we always enjoy having you on and hey, um we appreciate it. Um, you know, have a good week. And, it, man, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week in Ohio politics. It never gets boring. That's what I always tell it's, people. It's another, another week in paradise.
All right. At least the weather's getting better. That's the, yeah. that's the nice thing. <laughs> At least, yeah, we can enjoy it. I'm, I'm looking forward to working outside on my deck and maybe even doing podcasts outside. Probably should have done it today. It's a wonderful day outside. All right. Well, Tyler, again, thanks for everything. Hang on just for a second afterwards. And everybody else, thanks for checking out the Highland. Everybody have a great day. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.